Welcome home, where homeownership matters for all. A production of the Orange Chatham Association of Realtors, a voice for real property rights. Greetings, this is Marsha Vaughn, and I want to welcome our audience to this month's episode of the OCHAR Talk About podcast series. Today is October 26th, and I'm thankful to be sitting with our panel of real estate experts, Nada Bazinski, Jay Kreller, and Jackie Tanner. Hello to all of you on this beautiful fall day. Hello. Hello. How are you guys doing? Pretty well. Still here. <laughs> That's a good old. Put it in the wind column. Put it in the wind column. <laughs> okay. We uh, sat here in the same spot recording almost exactly two months ago. And at that point, we were trying to create a recording that uh, our members could share with their clients. And Nate, I asked you a very hard question that day, which you answered expertly to sum up the changes in the market. So I just want to do a quick, before we get on to staging, the subject of staging, because we're in such a dynamic market with so many changes happening almost every day right now. I just want to take your temperature about all of that. So two months ago, Nada said, and, and you guys agreed, that prices were not coming down and inventory was still low, but terms were opening up. So all of a sudden we were seeing again that there were active due diligence periods, people could ask for inspections, and the due diligence amounts most of the time were not quite as crazy hot as they had been. So here, two months later, what are you seeing out there in the field? What are you experiencing? Well, it's NATO's question. I think NATO should start. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. I think to a large extent, it is the same scenario that we talked about before. I would say the interest rate hike has definitely softened my book of business. And I hear that from my colleagues within my company and in other companies as well, just chatting. I do think there are unique situations. And and Jay and Jackie and I were chatting about something earlier where, you know, when there are really special houses that come up, they are we are still seeing the crazy multiple offers and really high due diligence fees and, and that sort of thing that felt more like the spring market. And how did you describe that category of house? I don't know. I just said it. Special, unique, unique special, special, you know, the really special one-off. I the, said one-off. Okay. The one-off. Okay. The, house the one-off not... houses that are really just, there's something incredibly special about them, and whether it's the lot or, you know, um, the house itself, architecturally speaking, it just doesn't look like and feel like other houses. And does that usually happen at a higher price point or is that across the board? I don't think it necessarily has to happen at a higher price point at all. I mean, I just think that that's what I'm seeing is that there are, you know, there still tends to be a lot of competitions, the competition and multiple offers and that spring market feel for houses that are really special. And for houses that aren't as special, that were selling like crazy with the high due diligence and multiple offers mm-hmm. in our spring no market, what. that's where I'm, I'm seeing the change really occur. And we're seeing some price reductions and we're seeing... What I'm talking to people about when I go to list a house is how important it is to look at the data and not really look too heavily at the spring data that we normally would feel really good about using because it's it's skewed. 
those are houses that closed at our all time high. You know, those were houses that came on the market and had multiple offers. Some of them closed, you know, significant percentages higher than the list price. And we were seeing that, say, from, you know, March through June. So if so, if we were if I was listing something right now and I looked at August and September data, Mm -hmm. that seems sensible. I think so. Yeah, Yeah, August and September data is going to be more More, reflective of the current market than July, June would be, and and May for sure. You know, and normally we we would really easily be okay with going back six months. I mean, that's often what appraisers do. Normally, we have a more stable market. We do, and I think that, that that's what I'm suggesting to people when they're contemplating listing. And also to buyers, you know, when they're considering making offers, unless it's a really unique home, a really special mm-hmm. one-off kind of home where, you know, all bets are off. I, I think that that is what I'm noticing the most is sort of that, that is where the shift is sort of like, okay, let's pull back a little bit. Let's not push the envelope and use that data. We're going to have to make a slight adjustment because it's safer that way, you know, it, and, and you have a much better opportunity to appeal to a greater buyer audience because the buyer market is obviously having to reset because of the interest rates right around 7%. They're not able to afford what they could afford back in the spring market, right? Yeah. So let's, so let's everything talk shifted. more about that. What are you seeing in terms of the volume of buyers out there? I still have buyers who are in the wings waiting for specific things, but in a weird sort of way, I'm going to echo what Nita said. It's like they're looking for a particular house. Mm-hmm. And when that particular house comes up, they're all in, whatever all in means. But I don't have a just a pool of buyers looking for any house. That was the spring. So that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the big difference okay. is we have buyers looking for specific things. When those specific things come up, mm-hmm. they're willing to go all in regardless of the price point. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. it's not just a pool of buyers wanting to get into something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it sort of the thoughts come in as we listen to other people say things. I, I think when I'm talking to a seller about pricing right now, and if I were to go back to our podcast of two months ago, there we were saying, you know, we're not seeing price reductions, but I don't know how many searches you guys have set up. Um, but to me, the vast majority of what's coming across down my email now is price reduction, price reduction, yep. or yep. improvement. I'm sorry, let's use the price right word. Price improvement. <laughs> um, I do think there are two separate tracks going along there. One of them is what Nada was saying about having that house that just is, it's a good, it's a really good house Everybody for, for whatever reason, there. and those reasons are different. I think the the other piece is just the the, the cookie cutter ones. Yeah, nobody's fighting over mm-hmm. those anymore because they know very well that something else is going to come along three, three weeks later in the same neighborhood. As far as pricing goes, if I'm looking to price the house, I'm only looking back 30, 60 days for comparables. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, if we're talking about whether it's going to appraise or not, then I'll absolutely go back the six months and say, well, yes, will this be able to appraise if indeed we price it here and it sells there? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, yeah, that's, that's the first time I've ever done that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an, um, that's, that's an, a very important point. It's like when I'm talking to a buyer and justifying the price, it's like, we're not going to have any problems with the appraiser. Right. Because I'm looking six months back, just like the appraisers are. Mm-hmm. But does that mean that's where you should price it? Right. And when you're talking to the seller, whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, agents and appraisers hold different conversation. And I have that <laughs> conversation with both buyers and sellers often. Like they, I refer to appraisers as being more scientific, whereas an agent is going to bring in 
things like odours and floor plans and locations in ways that appraisers mm-hmm. don't. And I think it's knowing those nuances now that is critical mm-hmm. in positioning the house properly to be able to get a, a relatively quick sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that, I don't mean like four days anymore. I mean maybe two <laughs> two weeks to 30 days. We need to reset our expectations. Yeah. It's amazing how quickly sellers adjust to these amazing expectations. Now it's like, this is what we want. Like, well, okay, the market's changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if, if each of you had to draw a bell curve representing the price points of your buyers, what you typically have in your portfolio of buyers, how, what would that look like? Are you skewing toward the high end, the low end, the middle? Well, our biggest issue is that our low end isn't really a low end. Yeah. By most not, yeah, not low anymore. standards, our low end is four hundred thousand. Right. I mean, it's a lot of money. by yes. by a lot yes. of standards, that's not a low end. Yes. But our low end is four hundred thousand, and um, I know for me, my buyers range from about four hundred thousand to about one point three, and everything in between. Okay, so that helps us understand your frame of reference as you answer these questions, if you know what I mean, because I keep thinking at the higher end, the interest rates and the change in the stock market is not going to affect their decision-making quite as dramatically as at the lower end. Well, I disagree about the change in the stock market. I mean, again, if people are... I don't know. I think when the stock market's not doing so well, I think more of those people tend to put their money in real estate, is in my experience. But I think at those price points, again, in my experience, there's so much more cash there. Right. Who finances? Right. Very, very Mm -hmm. few people actually finance. Right. Um, I don't know whether that's borne out statistically or not. That's just my experience. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, I do think we need to have these market updates from you, and I, I know they're valuable to our listeners. Let's move on to something that I'm not sure you really want to debate, but um, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here and uh, dive in, which is, and, and since I'm stealing from Shakespeare, Jackie, I think you should be the one to say it, to stage or not. No, it's all not the world stage. Yeah, stage. stage. Whoa, she took a left turn oh, there. Oh my gosh, that's brilliant. All the world's a stage. Oh, yeah, we are merely players. Experience. We are yeah. merely players. Yeah. Actually, I like that. I'm going to use that in yeah. my next presentation <laughs> about go. the uh, why we should stage. Well, you've got the accent to pull it off. So. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Well done. So, I have to start doing to stage or not to stage, that is the question. It's not, I know having talked to the three of you and and knowing you as I do, it's not a question in your minds. Staging, correct me if I'm wrong, is a must? Okay, I'm not going to be so concrete as to say it's a must. Um, It depends on the house. Like some houses, the bones, the architecture of the house, they're amazing enough to carry the house on its own. They really are. Would it be help the staging? Yes. Would it help it get a higher price? Probably not necessarily because enough people are going to recognize the bones of that house as being so special. But by and large, most houses need a little help for people to see them at their best. They just do. Okay. Need a little help. Mm-hmm. I like that because it's a little help. How We're not often- fundamentally changing the house. We're never fundamentally changing the house. We're just... Giving the buyers a visual representation of how they might live in the house. I see. I don't know that it's just a visual representation. From it, it's about emotions. Mm-hmm. We're always eliciting emotions, yes. and it's 
it, it's yes, and I would never forget the first staging in, in two thousand and eight when we were all scrambling, like how the hell do we sell a house in this environment and going and a particular stager who I used for many many years, he no longer does vacants sadly, but she the statistics on the amount of money that you get and but it was all about the emotion, it was all about the emotion and the feeling that the buyer gets when they walk in, mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily have to pay a stager thousands of dollars to do that, to elicit uh-huh. that response, I don't think, although it's an easy way. It's an expensive mm-hmm. and an easy way to do it. Um, I mean, I'm thinking of a house you had on Salwood a couple of years ago that was a mid-century modern that I think would have spoken for itself without the staging, but the staging really, yeah. really, really... Takes really it over the top. Sometimes it just takes it over the top. And, and for our audience, uh, Jackie is pointing to Nita as she said that. <laughs> I am, sorry. Um, that's okay. So we're going to dig deeper on this, and I'd love to get some to some uh, anecdotes. But Nita, when I first heard about you before I had met you, the realtor I was working with referred me to your website, and I went to it many times because I thought this is a designer and she designs, decorates. I loved it. I loved everything I saw. Wow, Marsha. Uh, yeah. Thanks, I Marcia. did. I did. <laughs> so I think of you and I know that people really look to you uh, often to come in and, and give that Nada effect to the home That's before nice. they sell it. So how does that work and how do you do it without being taken advantage of? Yeah. Because I know you work your buns off. Yeah. Staging homes. Okay. So those are really good questions and I um, I appreciate that. I, I would say when the market tanked after the crash, I think a huge piece of what I chose to do to set myself apart because I really actually enjoyed the staging piece and I didn't have the client base that I have grown to have now, but it's been a long time, you know. Were, were you a designer as well? No. I'm, I don't mm-hmm. have any credentials whatsoever. But, but you did, <laughs> None. But you did do some None. interior design for people. I, I would do that. In fact, like when the market tanked and, and it really, you know, real estate softened, it was something that helped me kind of bridge that gap financially, you know, mm-hmm. career-wise. Because mm-hmm. I, would, I would fill in a little bit and I would, you know, kind of do consulting and that sort of thing. But I have no formal credentials whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's just something I enjoy. Yeah, but I would I say think we would all agree. Who cares? Yeah. You know? Well, I I think that what has happened for I, I do have like two big warehouses full of furniture and accessories and things, and staging is incredibly hard and time consuming, exhausting, and I think you know, often what I run into now, there are a lot of uh, stagers that I really love working with. And I'm pretty particular about, I think it's really important when I'm looking at a house to, I have a few different stagers that I work with. I used to do all the staging myself and I still have these. It surprises me that you're using other people. Well, I do because I don't have enough to stage an entire house and I don't even have enough to, especially like in top market, you know, like the prime time of the market, I might you know, have my stuff at a few different houses. And so I never really, I'm, I'm not a stager. I'm not in the business of staging. And my priority is always, you know, my clients in real estate. It is something that I can offer to my listing clients as, as something that I do, but it's what I would do staging wise is more like what I call infill. If they have things that I can supplement, sometimes what I do is pull out their things. If I 
don't think it's going to present their house in the best possible light. Mm -hmm. And Ella asked them to allow me to replace what they have. Mm -hmm. If they have a sofa or sofas and things, I take their things, I put it in my storage unit, I bring my things and I put it in their home. Mm -hmm. And then I bring it back for them once (laughs) once it goes under contract. Okay, so let's stop there and talk about this. And I want to ask you all this question. How do you do that? How do you sit it's a with lot somebody? Of work. Like if you were in my house, and I love that sofa right there. Yeah. We are, by the way, audience in my house, <laughs> and uh, it's a delicate dance. Yeah, I mean, how do you say that does not work in here, and I want to put my sofa in there? Um, it's not. It's really difficult, as as Jay said. It's a, it's a delicate dance, you know. And I think I think a lot of it, and especially with people at this table. I think our data does the talking for us, and I think that's really important. Fortunate to mm-hmm. have a really good, you know, strong, proven, proven yeah, history about that it, that it works. Track you know, record. so yeah. I track record. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. thank you. My OLD is kicking in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a proven yeah. track record. I'm gonna be using that. Um, so I, you know, since I'm OLD, okay. <laughs> You know, one of the things I've been wanting to do, which I just haven't had time, and I'm embarrassed that you even brought up my website because it's so old and dated, because it hasn't been a focus of mine. I've been pretty busy, but I, I think that I would, you know, like to work on showing before and afters and do a better job of mm-hmm. that because I think it's it's mind blowing sometimes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. and some sometimes people don't even recognize it as actually the same house, mm-hmm. and I think that's the biggest selling point okay. is when I can show people like this is actually before and after. Okay. And so I, I think what I started to say, just to kind of pull away from me and staging personally, sometimes I really think that a couple things about staging, I think that houses often benefit from, there are houses that really will benefit from the majority of a house being staged. Like generally speaking, if the house is vacant, mm-hmm. I like to try and stage most of the main floor mm-hmm. and a primary bedroom. And I think that that's a a huge, important piece, especially if the house, for me, I think especially if a house has complicated traffic patterns Mm -hmm. and the rooms don't naturally lend themselves for people to see where they're going to put their things. Is it not stunning how little imagination buyers have? Yes, truly. I mean, have you noticed anything different? Oh, I, this is what I tell sellers as to why we have to do it to sort of take the personal sting out. Right. Um, is it's not about them and it's not a, it's nothing to do with what kind of taste they have or how they've laid out their house. Yeah. It's the lack of imagination of the yeah, general public. So, and, and, and if they're too specific in terms of their taste or they're too, it doesn't matter. It, the buyers have so little vision mm-hmm. as to how a house can present. We have to neutralize, but we have to emphasize. Mm-hmm. It's both things happening at once. And if you've got a piece of furniture like your lovely couch, to go back to your lovely couch, you're right. Marcia, said, she said that kind of sarcastically. That's your a lovely, lovely couch. couch. That is a nice I couch. I am so impressed with that couch. That is couch. a great couch, Marcia. The only thing I'm worried about, Marcia, is that you know it's kind of big for the room, and I'm worried that people are going to make the assumption that this is a small room, yeah, and tough. it's not. <laughs> and it's not. So let's show it in its best light. It's bigger uh-huh. when there's a not a table and four chairs <laughs> and four humans surrounding it. No, I'm just it. saying how we do it. No, 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 
what are you doing? Totally well, okay. I was empathize with people. Yes, in the sense that I do too. I, I, the amount of times I have said, "You should come to my yeah, house, come to my house, see how I yep. live, and yep. you will not think for one second yep. any of this has to do." I think that's really important to do. With, oh, absolutely. Uh, okay, so I told you I was going to play devil's advocate here. Bob and I bought our first house forty years ago. This was in Minnesota. There was no staging. You had to use imagination. What what happened? Why all of a sudden is staging HGTV photos, internet, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything. The, okay. the amount of the world changed why, around yeah. you. But why do we all have to be agreeable gray or boring beige? You're really mad at me because I called this room dark once, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, because of not the influences. this room when it goes on the market. I'll tell you that right now. Because there are influences. Yeah. I'd be your worst client. <laughs> I agree with Jack. They're influences. There are okay. influences well, today, like and them. they dominate the amount of visual input that people There's, are, are okay. experiencing. And the other, as long as I'm ranting and raving, the other mm-hmm. thing I can't stand is how we're supposed to take all of our personal pictures down. See, I don't, I don't, I don't agree suggest with that. that. Okay, oh, I, do. I don't agree with that at all. I do. I'd we, like to have a little bit. We bought this house in part because there were pictures in this room. This house actually, uh, this was a therapist's office. And there were family pictures that looked identical to our family. I, oh, wow. I think family photos help people relate to living in the house. They just can't be the dominant feature yeah, of the house. Yeah, so we can't, many. We can't have the wedding bride wedding photo over the fireplace okay. in the living room. I, I mean, that. you might as well we all over the house. I'm claiming <laughs> it. It's mine. You can't have it. You know, but oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, don't make it so dominant. It can't be dominant. Yeah. But again, showing that a family lives here, showing that mm, yeah, because it, it creates some intimacy and and and, and, and family can mean anything. Because God knows my family doesn't look like everybody else's family, mm-hmm. but it just shows that there's warmth in here mm-hmm. and there's fun in here, and and, and it this gives is it VR. life. I mean, it truly yeah. gives it life like if you strip it of all these things. Like there's this no comfortable life. sofa and the dark walls. See, yes. I the, the professional the stager who I still revere to this day would say that you take them down because what people do is feel like it's somebody else's house when they're looking at those things. And I think there's a way to next things. You I, think it's a way to I, I agree, but I, I think I, it, it's literally pared down to so little that they're not feeling. And yeah, I, yeah. I am. I was. I was in total disagreement with her until I saw it in action and sort of paid attention to it myself. And I think people do. They, they, if, if they're on the fence about the house or whatever, and then it, it feels like it's somebody else. Somebody else is living here. I am an imposter. I'm intruding. You know how people but, ask whether they can but, open a kitchen drawer to see, and they feel. I see it the other way because I see people going through a house all the time. We're going through the house, and I'm like, hey, they were at the Grand Canyon. We went to the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it becomes a. Connection. This could yeah. work. Well, it's a connection. To get controversial here for a minute, but when you when you see oh, about well, come on, oh. now. <laughs> <laughs> when you hear the stories of, of houses that appraise very differently when they're owned by different types of people, the depersonalization piece, I, I, I think there's a an absolute uh, there's a really strong argument for that. And and while there is there are groups of people who are very easily identifiable as receiving the negative end of, of that shitty stick. I don't know if I'm allowed to use that word. Yes, um, I, I think it goes into all different yep. directions, right? Yep. I, you, you never know what somebody's discriminatory uh, emotions are going to be around. And so that's a reason to sort of neutralize as much as possible yeah. while yeah. still having 
the sun well, and the life. I, th- I, and I, I, mean, I take it to like like religious symbols and things like that. I draw a kind of line I, that, that. I, do, I think that I I, I really tell people that. I do recommend but, taking it. But I'm looking at a, a lovely little photo in an adorable frame over on Marsha's, the little black and white there. And I would I'll absolutely keep that <laughs> yeah. and incorporate it with some books and some other things. And I wouldn't have any issues. I mean, with well, that. let's and be then, honest. We're looking at this photo. That could be a prop photo. Right. You know, so, it's so good. So I think it's, I yeah. think it's, I think I don't, maybe what we're saying, honestly, and maybe that's, you're not saying this, Jackie, but I think it's sort of, using your judgment and, and, and trying to, you know, when we, when each of us go into a home, we can find that balance. I've been in many homes and there are walls and walls covered and every cabinet and there are tables set up with stacks of photos. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm really talking about sort of like a little touch of it mm-hmm. that makes it feel because human. without it, without it, a house just feels sterile to yeah. me. If right. I walk in and I there's agree. not one photo, it just feels sterile. And I think I, I, I have a good imagination. I can picture all my pictures in there, but I want to, I want to, I don't know. It's a feel thing. I want to feel the family. But we talk about that all the time. And, and I, I go through this with buyers, especially first time buyers when I'm working with them. It's, we're going to look at some houses and we're going to, we're going to study houses for a little bit before you're in buy mode. You know, we're, we're going to look at a few things and then hopefully earlier before you're ready to buy. And then when you go into buy mode, by that time, you're going to have a certain amount of education. You're going to have a certain amount of knowledge mm-hmm. about houses because we're going to, we're going to practice this. It's like anything else. You practice it. But the key is when you're in buy mode, what's going to happen is the house is going to feel right. Mm-hmm. You're not even going to be able to explain it. Yeah. It's going to feel right. And then you know, this is your house. Mm-hmm. And okay. Yeah, this is when we had multiple options for buyers to choose from, and they had to choose the right one. And I know we're not in that market at this moment in time, yeah. but it still works because a buyer still has to feel something. And I believe that when there are some family photos around and there are some things that make it feel like, uh, and by family photos, again, I mean anybody. It just makes you feel like real people live here. This isn't, this isn't a prop house. This is somebody's actual house. I just think we have to be careful about yeah. how people arrive at yeah. feeling like this is yeah. the people well, and, what's and therefore their house. Yeah, right? I, I do hear that, and I I respect that. I think that's so important. Maybe, ironically, the pictures that in, were in this room were of a multiracial family. And we have a multiracial family. So that's what... It spoke to you. It spoke to you. It gave you us. a feeling. Yeah. Right? And sometimes it helps. Yeah. And I, and I had a buyer absolutely, and this is a long time ago, walk out of the house when they saw a series of books on the bookshelf by a um, someone who's very political um, on an extreme end of a political spectrum. Uh, yeah. And they were like, I am not living in this house. No, then that can happen too. That can happen and that's too. part of staging too. Yeah. It's like, you know what? We're yeah. going to take this out. Just, I may agree with you 100%, but this may be a polarizing yeah. book to have on the shelf. So yeah. we're going yeah, yeah, to take that's, that out. That's, that's the difference really... between staging and decorating. Yeah. But I think that's oh, it's okay. the polarizing we got to talk about that for a minute. Well, we have so much to talk about. Aren't you glad we're talking about stage? So glad, Marsha. So glad this was your topic today. Okay, so. I'm going to bring up multiple offices. They were a little resistant. Okay, 
So we're gonna we're gonna dig a little deeper here. Um, what did you just say, Jim? You said something really important. Staging, not decorating. Staging, not decorating. I want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about the expense of this for agents. Mm-hmm. So I know you have got um, storage units. You've got warehouses full of furniture. Mm-hmm. You use you pay a good penny for your stagers. I do both. Well, yeah, we, we all pay, we all pay for the stagers. It's just some some of us have warehouses of stuff to supplement. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So is it worth it? Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. Always. What's your advice to an agent who's trying to figure out how much do I need to spend on this, and when is it not worth it, or not so important to spend that amount? Oh, that's a tougher question. Well, you know, in a lot of states, <laughs> that the client pays for it. You know, you get right. the seller to pay for it, and sometimes I'm able to do that, and sometimes not. Okay, so do you start with that discussion? Yeah, it's a really good place to start. You want to know who's going to pay for it. <laughs> and sometimes people are very resistant to it, and then you have to weigh how important it is to you. You know, like you're talking about, okay, the cost of staging, whether it's an infill stage and all that that involves with my time and hiring a mover and all that's involved in and goes into Mm -hmm. me staging personally with hiring, paying, you know, Mm -hmm. another professional stager to come in and do it. And the assumption is here that before that conversation, you've already convinced them that they need to have staging and they've accepted I don't that. think there are many people that argue about staging. I think most most people now know about staging. It's nothing new to them. I think they don't want to pay for it. I think that's... But aren't there a lot of people out there that thinking, but I love my house the way it is and why do I need a stager? I don't run into that as much. I, I really, I mean, again... I think that it's we your, have enough it's data. Commanding to, presence. I don't know. I, I think we have enough data that shows. You know, this has been going on for a while. This is not a new thing to do. I can but, stage a room for forty-five dollars a room. Well, good for you, Jackie. Well, it's pictures, virtual staging, virtual oh, staging. Okay. Latest, I think that, that is different. I think that's really thing. different. <laughs> Here's what I will say. I, I know we might be getting. We're going to come track. back to that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good point, but. I think part of this, you brought up this point of, you know, 40 years ago when you and Bob were, you know, selling a house, what what has changed? And we said everything. I think what I tell people is that HGTV and Magnolia Network and Howls Online and Pinterest and all these things, like people have been exposed to things that didn't, you know, didn't used to exist, right? Uh And I think people know just enough to sort of be dangerous you know, uh-huh. they don't. Oh, Amen, sister. You know, they don't. Yeah. They they, but they don't know how to get there themselves. Well, and that goes for buyers too, too, right? So people know what looks good or what they think looks good to them, but they don't necessarily know how to get there. And if a house is, if if a house either has the owner stuff and it's not really working well and it's fighting the traffic patterns of the house. And it's just, you know, we know from our experience that it's not going to go well and that staging would really help correct that. Then um, I think the fact that Jay brought up earlier is that buyers don't know. They can't see. They just see when they like something. They know when they like something but they don't, if something doesn't appeal to them, they don't know how to fix it or they they can't think of their own way of, well, I know it's just a matter of painting this room or I know it's just a matter of getting better scale furniture. I know it's, and often the agents maybe don't know either. 
And so, and so they end up turning on their heels and leaving. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just the truth. Mm-hmm. Like some people just, it's not their thing and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make mm-hmm. them a bad agent. It just, it, they just don't have that experience or interest maybe, you know. I have been in houses that were staged to the nines. I mean, staged really well. And I knew the house did not work for that client. And I am in the house trying to convince the client that the house does not work for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're so in they're love with the staging. Yeah. You, there's no there's no argument to me that staging doesn't work. Because mm-hmm. I have seen even like very committed buyers to the process, committed to everything, just get wowed by the staging. The and emotions. visualizing themselves living there. And I'm like, yep. this is none of the things. Look, here's your Once checklist. You take out the furniture. Remember that checklist mm-hmm. of things you said you wanted? This right. doesn't have any of those. So let's let's take a step back. I've seen it work in the other way. It just does. Mm-hmm. We have to accept it. We have to accept that. Yes, staging that's matters. particularly true with new construction, where they've had professional. No, of course, they've always staged houses. I mean, new new, new construction, construction, like model homes. Right. Staged at the end, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, most buyers. Don't want to buy the house they need. They want to buy the house that gives them an impression of themselves that make them the better than what home. they are today. And there it <laughs> yes. is. Which if is I like, live in this house, yeah. I'm going to live like this. And I'm they're going not going to live like, like this. person on the internet. I mean, it's like, you know, women's body image. <laughs> we can go all the way with this, right? Like, this is what I think I, I should look like. Mm-hmm. Forget whether it's real or not. Forget or whether when you're in there with your two kids and your two dogs and your cats that scratch the front, you know, like it's not, not practical. Most people mm-hmm. live. It's not practical, but it works. It's also why in new construction neighborhoods, why the most popular house plan is always the model the home. The model home, right? I mean, because people have that. seen it staged, right? That's right. the one they want to build. Yeah, that's are. the one they want to build. I, I have fallen for it myself. Talk to us about virtual staging. So this is a new discovery to me, and I'm in love with it. <laughs> I mean, I think, again, it, it's house by house, right? If, if there's a house that really needs for people to ignore the fact that the floor plan is not the greatest or there's a big power line in the backyard or whatever, I think you need the furniture in the house. Mm-hmm. If you So why are, would you opt to do the virtual staging over the... Because it awakens people to the possibilities, so they can see it. And I also, I, I tell my, my sellers this a lot. When I first started in real estate, I chose which houses we were going to see because uh-huh. I, I knew the houses, um, they weren't, the internet wasn't in existence. Now my clients come to me and yeah, say, these are the houses that right. I would like I to see. The game has changed. And really therefore it is incumbent on the listing agent to have professional photography, et cetera, et cetera. And, and mm-hmm. even though there are still people who do it with their iPhone, for that reason, um, I think if the, if the house is good and you can just help with some suggestions and get if people are going to be taken in by the picture on the internet and go to the agent and say, I want to see this house, and you get them in the door and then the product is also there in terms of the house, like what the, the what you're buying, as, uh-huh. as Bobby would always say, your floors, your fireplace, whatever else, then I think it's, it's $45 a picture. I mean, come on. No, I think virtual staging also has its place. But my issue is I have gone into houses that have been virtually staged too many times with buyers. And then they're let down. And they're let down. Me too. Well, I, I think that's why you need a, a good agent to mm. understand, as with many, many other things in real estate, to understand where the when it's appropriate is. What's a good house you for that? Use good which candidate. tool to the, mm-hmm. to yeah, the largest I would agree possible that, effect. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So for new agents, how much does... 
staging cost? Thousands. Well, thousands. If, if you're paying thousands somebody else per yes. listing, I would say for a a, a largely whole house staging, mm-hmm. depending on the size of the house and the stager, it can be anywhere from thirty five hundred to fifty five hundred dollars. Yeah, I would say you have to budget about six thousand for a full stage. Yeah, on a big, you know, okay. on a, on and what we started talking about is how do you decide? You know, obviously you kind of have to do the math. And if it's a difference of you figuring out, sometimes people split it with the sellers, or sometimes people figure out a way to work it out where you say, "Look, I'll front this, and I'm I am one hundred percent convinced it's going to help sell your house faster, so much so that I will pay for it on the front end. Are you willing to split it with me and reimburse me for?" you know, the, the other half on the back end at closing, that kind of thing. I mean, there are different ways that you can get creative with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And sometimes, you know, it's just, you just kind of have to suck it up. But it's every, you know, every person is different and you kind of have to, I think, just weigh it to what the situation is. Depends on the price point, too. It does I mean, definitely depend on the price we're talking, point. We were talking a million and up. Yeah, yeah. splitting something, splitting a $6,000 ticket off of our commission, mm-hmm. that's one thing. But if we're talking about a four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 house, I'm not, you know, I am... Totally willing to stage it for you with yep. my inventory of staging things, and yep. that's all well and good. But if you want it professionally staged, yep. that's going to be on you. Yep. Do I believe in it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think this is money that that is very well spent on your part. Mm-hmm. But we run into that with everything we do with sure. house preparation. Yep. The painting, the carpets, all mm-hmm. of the things we're telling them, there is a dollar for dollar return for you if you are willing to invest it. Yep. That is exponential, but you've got to invest it. And on more than one occasion, I've had to take the risk with, with my sellers and go, I'm going to front this. Here's the here's the price point difference I think we're going to see. I'm going to front this. I'm going to get reimbursed at closing. And, mm-hmm. you know, fortunately, it's always worked out. But yeah. mm-hmm. well, I think sometimes we do have to put our money where our mouth is. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are a yeah. lot of real estate agents around here. If you're competing for business, yeah, it's you really set tough. yourself apart. Yeah. I, I was never one who thought that that commission check that we get was for us to, to keep all of it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I felt like that was partly for us to market the house in a way that we saw fit. That's what we were being given that money for. And the the, the calculation on our end is how much of that do we then yeah, get to that's keep at the end what of I was trying to get at. Right? How do they calculate that? Well, I think that's, as Nader said, that's every agent's... Um, you get to structure that however mm-hmm. you like, Whatever and I think you know. can. Uh, and that's also for me. How easy is it going to be for me to sell this house? You know, if I can sell this house in a day, if I do this, will I put some money into doing that so that I literally? It's, <laughs> it's a situation by situation yes. game, right? I don't have a hard and fast rule about that either. It's like, okay, here's what I'm willing to do. Here's the risk I'm willing to take on this house. Here's what I'm willing to put into it. Mm-hmm. And it changes from house to house, and it's so a if, the, relationship negotiation. if the seller if the seller doesn't buy in, they don't buy in. They may not hire me. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, then I get to just really love watching the house sit on the market. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but right, but it, but it's, it's it's different, right? So like my fee structure changes based on what I'm doing. If yes. I'm staging the house, it's one free fee structure. If I'm um, hiring someone to stage the house or I'm hiring contractors on the seller's behalf. It's another fee structure. Okay, that makes sense. If I'm just putting a sign in the yard marketing the house because they show like a model, it's another fee structure. And to me, that seems fair. It's like... I, sorry, I'm in your... I actually have an interesting kind of addition to this discussion in that I recently listed a house and it was late in the summer 
and the interest rates had already stopped, started to go up and the market was shifting already. So it was well beyond the, the, the top, you know, time in our market, in our spring market. And this was an old home. It was, a, I believe, a 60s home in Durham on some acreage. And the sellers had interviewed another agent and that agent, and, and I understood where that, you know, I don't know who that agent was and it doesn't matter, but I, I understood that from the sellers that the agent that they were talking to, that they were considering hiring was saying that they had to paint the entire house and it was a big rambling house. And this was an estate situation and they just were not in a position to be able to do that. They didn't want to do that. They wanted to know, was there anything else that could be done? And it was an older home and it was one of those things. And we've all seen it where it's sort of like, where do you start? Where do you stop? <laughs> like if there's so much that actually needs to be done mm-hmm. to update mm-hmm. a house, sometimes I think you're better yeah. off just sort of like preserving it like a time capsule that it is mm-hmm. because things about it are so dated that I really feel like sometimes you're better off just sort of keeping it as it is. So it's clear that nothing, you know, cosmetically um, has do been you, done in terms of updates. Do, do because you where do you the stop? words as is? No, but I think you, there's a fun way to talk about it. Like I talk about it being a time capsule. <laughs> like, welcome to this 1970 time capsule. Vintage. Um, vintage. You know, there are different <laughs> ways that you can play with it and have fun with it. Uh-huh. But the, my point about this is... What I opted to do was disagree with the idea of painting everything because there were some pretty wacky colors and there was a lot of stained wood and there was a lot of colors that wouldn't be perceived as sort of like current or whatever. But again, like there was so much that could have been done on that house. So what I suggested instead was to not do any of those things and to just go all out on staging really hire a great stager whose vibe is that whole, you know, mid mod, even though it was like a ranch, it was a mid mod ranch Mm -hmm. and it cost $3,500 to stage it. So instead of paying 15, you know, 12 to $15,000 for a whole house paint job, Mm -hmm. they bought into, okay, we'll spend $3,500 to get it staged, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of risk on my part because here I'm really selling them on this and Mm -hmm. it's all gone (laughs) really poorly, (laughs) Uh but thankfully it didn't. And it was, it was, it was right after the market really shifted and we weren't seeing these multiple offers, but this was one of those one-off kind of houses Mm -hmm. where it was sitting on a beautiful, large piece of land. And in a great location, but it was a quirky house, super quirky floor plan. But the stager did a magnificent job, a magnificent job. And we got multiple offers and it went for crazy high over the list price. Mm -hmm. And people were really fighting for it. So there are times when actually you can use staging as a way to soften the blow to a seller. But it really requires you kind of being able to size up like what is the smartest sort of strategic way to approach this if they're not going to buy into painting the whole house and staging and changing lights and doing all this stuff. I I could not agree more. I always say, I always use the term when I'm working with a unique house, don't apologize for the house. Right. Let the house be what it is. Right. Impossible. Emphasize it in a good market. That's all it needs. Yeah. Because you're going to find the person who's yep. going to appreciate this house for what it is. Yeah. Never apologize for what the house is. Mm-hmm. No, yep. you've got the right house in the right market. Right. Yeah. Right. But it, but again, it, it takes the yep. expert going, you've got the right house in the right market. We right. just have to emphasize what's right about it. 
No, yeah. I, I did the same thing with some, something in Colorado, and that, there were two other agents, and he'd shaken somebody's hand mm. and told them they had the listing. And But both the other agents were saying, paint, stay, everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hell no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got the listing, and did we sell in two days? Yeah, of course. That's great. Awesome. Handshake awesome. is worth every penny. All right. Um, you've indulged me with a discussion of staging. Thank you very much. Let's talk about some other things. Jackie, you, you've got a, something that's been bugging you. And I think... Is it me? Jackie, is it me? So You bug me so badly, Jackie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, and Jay, you've hit, you've hit some bumps this week, too. So let's talk about this. I, I think we encourage our audience to really listen to the ramifications of their behavior as they work in the field. Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, mine is mine is a little shorter than Jay's, but I, in a nutshell, I showed a house on Sunday morning. I gave the feedback at midday. I said in the comments, please let me know if you get any other offers. We're going to have to look at the structural engineer's report that you've posted. And yesterday I called to say we'd be writing the offer, and he says, oh, it's on the contract. Uh, and so I asked very politely if his sellers had decided not to entertain a multiple offer situation, which is their right. And he said, oh, no, you, you just I didn't realize you, were, you know, had any intentions of bringing one until after we had already received one and, and gone under contract. And I said, well, I told you on Sunday to let me know if you were mm-hmm. going to receive any other offers. And his response to that was, Oh, I'm sorry, I was out of town and I didn't read the rest of your email. So there are some sellers sitting out there that did not realize the amount of money that they could have gotten out of their house. And they Mm -hmm. are paying a real estate agent Mm -hmm. a commission for the... um, the, Maybe not for for leaving money on the table, possibly. Yes. Yes. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I just think that if our job is to create a fair playing field at all times that's not fair it wasn't fair to my it wasn't fair to it wasn't clients. fair to my buyers but as i pointed out to him in my final email to him ultimately your sellers are the ones who have lost here yeah mm-hmm. and yeah yeah didn't say they're paying you mm-hmm. for you to go to the mountains and not read right. people's emails was this as an, ex- an experienced agent I don't think so. <laughs> you know, and I was very polite in my. I always, I do, I can be terse sometimes, but I, I always try to be she polite. Can be terse sometimes. I. <laughs> but she says it with the accent, so I you really don't it, even believe it, right? I believe it's now time to talk like Jackie. But <laughs> is it talk like Jackie? Time? There are. I call it these how we try. Give it own. Yeah, what is it? The old college try. Yes. How we treat each other. As a specific topic, and also the multiple offer situation piece, which whether an agent feels like they're doing doing the right thing or not, understanding mm-hmm. how they're coming across to everybody else yeah. is a piece that I think has been critically left out of whatever training people are getting. I, I there will be a day. There will be a day when the market levels, and agents who have behaved badly in this market will now have to face the consequences of their behaving badly. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, what happened to you this week? It wasn't what happened to me, and who knows what happened to me. Multiple offer situation, 
lots of drama around the situation. And at the end of the day... Who were you representing? The buyer. I had the buyer. I was one of eight offers in. We went very big on it. Um, But at the end of the day, after a mysterious four and a half hour delay from the deadline, the house went under contract with the agent's preferred buyer's agent or designated buyer's agent in their own company. Mm. So it's kind of one of those things where you feel like the game was kind of rigged because no matter what you put on the table, somebody was going to to beat you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's one of those things. It can... It can happen. It's technically allowed to happen. But does this... What I want to know is, does the seller know that mm-hmm. the agent representing them, you know, behave this way? I, I'm sure that he or she does not. Well, we don't know that. We don't know that. And again, it's just one of those things. Competing offer situations are always gut-wrenching. They're always... Yeah, they some. You know, so, so many are, people are always going to lose. the hardest but, thing that realtors have to... That's why I feel Navigate. strongly about, I think there should be guidelines there. or we should talk around the best practices for having everybody who got involved in that situation, all eight of those buyers, including the winning bidder, feeling like they got treated fairly. Mm-hmm. And the ones that I've been in, I've had people thank me for the way in which it was handled and even from the non-winning bidders, mm-hmm. right? now, And that is my goal in every one of those situations. I learned some hard lessons that way. In fact, one of them was with you. Um, she's pointing at me. <laughs> not Jay. I'm just saying. She's not pointing at Jay right so now. Our, our no. Through not meaning to, just by trying to be friendly and doing things, and it's like, now I just, I have a formula, and I'm going to stick to that formula, and that's it. And but, everybody's going to get treated the exact same way. But that's the thing. We need this formula we need this formula and we need to say hey here's the deadline this is the deadline this is everybody's deadline Mm -hmm. so how do we go about sharing that in the real estate community because that's what i think there are people but we got to share that but we also remember we're hamstrung we've got to work for the best interest of our sellers and if we know that we can generate a higher offer than everybody's highest and best by mm -hmm. dragging this process by being on half hours well i don't Mm -hmm. know is it unethical she had insider knowledge. Her buyer's agent maybe had that insider knowledge. We don't know insider that. Insider knowledge. Know that. We don't, don't know, know that. that. Do we don't know, know that. know that. We don't know that. It was just. You don't. It know just that. seemed like an odd coincidence of the four and a half hour delay and. So the avoidance of the perception of being it's an perception. inside it's trader all about is perception. what I'm talking it's about. Whether about you perception. are or are not doing it is not necessarily the point. Mm-hmm. I think there should be training on how to avoid the perception of that's what you've done, mm-hmm. especially in this market where we have all these agents with teams mm-hmm. and you know, there's one kingpin who's sitting there and then there's all these other people, but all of that information is coming into the same bucket. Uh, and, and the rest and of us who work thing. For, for other firms, as long as the seller, as long as the seller knows the dual agency status, because remember, if and you're going back to the listing agreement, if it's somebody right, that dual agency can't be designated. It has to be dual. If it's your buyer's agent, it's got to be dual. And so, so we got to be careful about this. So right? I think we the real we have be. to be careful about this as agents. If we're going to do something like this, if buyer's agent of mine is going to do something or whatever, we've got to know. Hey, look, we've got to be really transparent with the seller. That we represent both parties. So I want some in-depth, in-depth, deep diving into that subject. Not please, please, please going over the working with real estate agents brochure for the mm-hmm. 22 second mm-hmm. year in a row. Right. <laughs> Seems to me it could be uh, included in some continuing education. Absolutely. 
Yes. Continuing education. Yes. This no, is what we need continuing listen. education on, people. In, in 2023, we're going to do a podcast on continuing education. And then we're going to send it and make sure that the Real Estate Commission listens to it. But right now, I would like to try to wrap things up because we're running out of time. But before we close here, do you have any fun anecdotes about staging? Things that went wrong? I, you know, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I haven't had a whole lot of things go wrong with staging, (laughs) but I will say that I'm getting old. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm getting old, and schlepping staging furniture is really starting to bug me. Yep. I need a truck. Yeah. Be careful with that. Oh, I need a truck. I think my, fur, my perfect one. Anti-staging going into a house. <laughs> <laughs> and he had the walls lined with pornographic pictures. Oh, we have to explain why he had to take them down. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. There you go. There you go. That is a good story. Nada? I don't know. I'm I'm still stuck on the on Jackie's. Although I do think there is something to be said about all of us who have been doing this for a long time compiling a book of the jaw dropping whatever it Absolutely. is that you see and you have found or you have stepped into or you have stumbled upon whatever. I have yeah. a, a former yeah. uh, former colleague of mine went to a house that had a a stripper pole in the in the primary bedroom. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of intriguing. Yes, yes. And I'm sure there are lots From of a stories. staging perspective, though, I think we should take this out. It's very specific. <laughs> We're going to have to edit this out, but I have I mean, I love it, but it's very specific. <laughs> I had a full life-size wooden carving with an erection that, like... No! Oh, yes. And it was by the front door. They would hang their bags on it. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, that's a wrap. Well, that's a wrap, people. <laughs> I kid you not. And Clawson Johnson came to do the pre listing home inspection and he's calling his friends. He's like, You've got to come over here. <laughs> wow, that, that wins. You win. Alright. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Marsha. I didn't think we were going to have much to talk about, but yeah. apparently I was so wrong. Go. So you trust go. me. Yeah. I'm like, well done. Okay. You said it in a way that yeah. I would yeah. say yeah. if yeah. I were in your position, well done. I will trust you. That was fun. Okay. Uh, I will look forward to talking to you again in December. Hard to believe that two months from now it will be December. Yeah. But we will finish up the year strong. So and thank really? you for making... Excuse me, Miss... Thank you for making this uh, podcast series a fantastic one this year, and we'll have fun wrapping it up. Thanks, Marsha. Thank you, Marsha. This has been an episode of Welcome Home, a production of the Orange Chatham Association of Realtors. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts.